saying that we were going to get into the movies. Yeah, and I'm only going to get into a few of them because there were way too goddamn many for me to really be interested in telling you this clone version or this clone version in the early studio system. It, it's a good metric to know in a, in a story arc, where should I be? Well, there's Beast, I should step over here. Uh, yeah. Some point, at some point, I'm gonna have to sit down with you, like, and force you, like, pump you full of coffee, and be like, "No, okay, look." Uh, and are swiftly and brutally put down by the Minutemen who use bayonets to get their point across. Well done, there. I'm good, Damien, and I'm also glad that I got your name right this time. I apologize for that one TikTok video. Men of this generation wound up serving a whole lot of them as a percentage of the population because of the war, because of a whole lot of other stuff. Oh yeah. Um, and, and actually in his case, it was pre-war, but, but you know, I was joking. Did he seriously join the American Navy? He did. Fuck it. everybody knows one of us Blaylocks, maybe two. And um, interestingly, uh, there is another Mr. Blaylock in my district. Um, he is a uh, physical education teacher at a different site, also a middle school, it's worth noting. And uh, this week, uh, it, it happens occasionally that I will get emails that are intended for him. And usually I forward them on just, I, you know, I think this is supposed to be to you. I don't recognize this kid's name. Well, and I opened my email um, like Wednesday of this week and uh, I had gotten a two word email from a student. You smell. That was it. And um, I, I didn't recognize the student's name. I eventually found out it was a seventh grader uh, in this other Mr. Blaylock's class and um, I did something I, I have not had the opportunity to do until this point. Um, I, I wrote a response to the student. I CC'd that teacher and I CC'd my vice principal because I told her about this. And she said, oh, no, you, 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 need, you need to CC him and include me because uh, she's, she's an old friend of his. Um, and uh, this will give her the opportunity to tell him, apparently, you smell. So I wrote back, uh, giving the kid a critique on their writing. <laughs> uh, this you you need to use a. I am an English teacher, so please, you know, uh, I hope you'll accept some some constructive criticism. Uh, you need to capitalize the first letter and add a period. Quote capital Y U smell period close quotes. Just keep that in mind going forward. You know, and I hope in future when you choose to you know insult a teacher on school time that you'll at least try to be a little more creative about it. Sincerely. Mr. Blaylock. Cool. And yeah, so that was, I, I would be fibbing 
if I said that that was not one of the high points of my week. Because if you can't mess with the kids, why are you even doing this job? So that was me. How about you, sir? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I am a high school U.S. history teacher up here in Northern California. First off, I commend you on pulling a really cool name out of your ass to put in for a fake name for your middle school. Well done. I teach, of yeah. course, at Miller yeah. Fillmore High School. Uh, nice. And thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, the the highlight of my week, not highlight, but a uh, fun little story is that uh, I sat down with my children to watch Titanic tonight um because they've never seen it and okay yeah so we're watching it and i went and grabbed a piece of string cheese out of the fridge sit down take a bite out of it and my daughter just looks at me i'm like what did i sit on something and she says that's not how you're supposed to eat string cheese and i said oh really huh and she's like it's called string cheese it tastes better in strings i said no kidding took another bite and she just looks at me and she's like i'm offended by the way you are eating cheese. I, I asked my partner about this and he said she agrees with my daughter. <laughs> I think there's a great dividing line between people who who eat string cheese the orthodox way and people who do it like me, the reform way. Uh, uh, so. No, heretic. Heretical. The heretical yeah, of course, way. you orthodoxists would call reform. it heresy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm just completely making a joke. I don't touch the stuff, but like, oh, okay. I, I, you know, I mean, I have to. I You're gotta, cheese I gotta agnostic. Represent. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so it was kind of fun. Uh, the movie was a success. Uh, my kids. Okay, so there are a few things that I remember from watching it in the theaters. Uh, first of all, my kids are yeah. smarter than half the theater goers in Concord. Uh, when I saw it in 1998, because my kids both recognized that, oh, this ship already sank, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, like, half the people were shocked that it sank, Um, which which Whoa. is uh, roughly one-third of how many people were shocked on Titanic that it sank. So, fair is fair. <laughs> um, yeah. But right. also, when the guy goes tumbling and hits the propeller with his legs. Yeah. Yeah. They both did the, ooh. So that is a universally <laughs> wow scene. How do you not? So, yeah, apparently. So if if you don't, I think you're a sociopath. Like, right. How much like someone Ugh. who bites the head off of his string cheese? Apparently, I. <laughs> so. No, that's not sociopath. That's psychopath. There's a difference. It's important oh, right. to note. Right. Good point. But anyway. So anyway, we have a guest tonight. Actually, uh, yeah, we do. We do. Uh, we have a guest. His name, well, he's an author, he's a comedian, uh, he's a all around swell guy, uh, as well as he is his kid's dad. Um, can everybody please give a warm welcome to Mr. Keith Lowell Jensen? Ooh, a pause. So much for having me. That is, I'm a vegan, and I know that that's. Not go. right to just take a bite of string cheese. That's <laughs> I'm horrified. There you go. Also, uh, I think that the other uh, Mr. Blaylock does in fact smell. And the real reason that your vice principal wanted to make sure was that she was thankful that this kid was finally telling him something that none of them could tell him. Yeah. And the stupid kid sent it to the wrong Mr. Blaylock. And yeah. She's like, no. You need to get that message to him. He needs to know. <laughs> I blame the schools. Yeah. Yeah. And he's what, over at Ubu Roy <laughs> Middle School? Is that? 
Yeah, Uber Roy. Yeah, I like that. That's good. That's good. Um, you know, an emperor's new clothes type situation. It's uh, yeah, mm. wearing the emperor's new gilbert, <laughs> apparently, and only a child yeah. is willing to speak up and say, uh, you know what? He stinks. You know, here's the deal. I don't take um opinions about about personal odor seriously from uh anybody uh who wears the amount of axe body spray that roughly 75 percent of seventh graders do nowadays i'm just okay. saying like yeah i hadn't thought about that i had one coworker that wore too much and it drove me crazy i can't imagine being a teacher on this current day olfactory fatigue is a real yeah. thing i mean honestly it prepared me for open mics uh yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Teenage, um, teachers are bad people, though. I, I just as a class, yeah, we up are. on the show talking to two of them. We, we suck. I want you to know that we spent a lot of time being like, teachers are heroes, and we need to respect our teachers. And it's like, yeah, there's one or two good ones, like per school, <laughs> and the rest of you are just horrible tyrants. Oh yeah, operating on a, on a complete sinecure too. Like there's there's no there's no real work involved in this job. No, no. absolutely not. Just like, totally yeah. phone it in. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I, I get all the time money for nothing. And, uh, they actually pay How me are they? In small hens. So I get chicks for free. It's nice. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Wondering I, wondered, how, I wondered where that wait, one was going to wind up, like <laughs> how you were going to land that one. And, yeah. And, okay. Clumsily. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but effectively, it's, you know where the landing was. And that's, that's really that matters. That's, that's, yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, Mr. Do we say Mr. Lowell Jensen, Mr. Keith? Do we just call you Keith? How do? How are we going to well, fuck this you, pig? You may, you may. Uh, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> you may call me Keith. Oh, thank you, thank you, sir. Yes. All right, so uh, Keith. I always put when I fill out if they don't have a middle name, I put Keith Lowell as my first name. I don't oh. put Lowell Jensen as my last name. Oh, okay. okay. Lowell is in fact my middle name. All right. And as long as we're talking about names, it, it came into use because uh, uh, I worked at Petco and there was already a Keith there. And I knew from a past association with him that he was a thief. Keith, oh, want, that makes like, sense. Like, oh, you know, Keith, the guy that steals from Petco and then them to think it was me. So I was Lowell, the mm. guy who did not steal from Petco. Who would smoke a bowl. Uh, and then mm. yeah, Lowell will smoke a bowl. Yeah. yeah. So it was try again. So <laughs> you're digging a hole. Um, Lowell, who dug the hole. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Um, it was nice, though, for, for a long time. Like half the people in my life who knew me knew me as Lowell, and the other half knew me as Keith. So when I started performing, I just put them together. That's kind oh, of a okay. nice little well, code switch that you yeah. got there, though. Like, I. Oh, it's so handy. If yeah. people called on the phone and asked if Lowell was there, my wife knew to say no because it was work. That's perfect. <laughs> Noel's yeah, no, not here. Keith, Keith's right here. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Dave's not here. Lancer. Yeah. Dave's not here, man. Yeah, I uh I, I had long hair a long time ago. And there is a segment of the population that only knew me when I had long hair. Yeah. And I now have short hair. And there's a segment of the population who has only known me then. And so never known you with long hair. Exactly. So so, uh, Keith, Look, it's gonna blow your minds, but I used to be a kid uh, for <laughs> years, for like eighteen years, yeah, for a long yeah. time, and Actually, nobody yeah. knows me as a kid now. It's very strange. I did, you know, I did. More, more by the way, I did. Time I hit my daughter with some truther 
stuff uh where i asked her i was like you you do know that the titanic sinking was all fake and she's like what i said if it got hit by an iceberg where's the iceberg now and the indignation i didn't know that was one yeah i have not heard that one yeah yeah um the indignation of an 11 year old yeah is is something she's like it was more than a hundred years ago what is wrong with you so uh, um long as we're on the subject uh, may I take a moment to say that that is a just a masterpiece of a film. It, it, it really is. It's on the American uh, Film Institute's top 100 for a reason. It is yep. a great movie. I feel yep. like people wanting to feel intellectual love to crap on it because it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's fantastic. I, I fully agree. I actually so fun fun little fact. Um, the from the moment that the iceberg hits the Titanic. Until the moment it goes blub, 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 is within six minutes of the real time that it actually took. So they basically sunk it in real time in the movie. Nice. I think that's pretty cool. What? Yeah, it, it, it really it really is. It's also a testament to just how absolutely psychotic James Cameron is. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Like if you, if you, I mean, if you talk to anybody who's, who's worked with him on, on any of these, you know, big technical masterpiece films of his, like everybody on the set of uh, the abyss had ear infections for months because mm-hmm. they constructed a tank and every, they were literally filming in an underwater habitat. Like the horror stories that came out of the production of that movie are kind mm-hmm. of epic. But yeah. he's he's like, no, 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 all of the technical stuff has to be like we're we're gonna we're gonna do it for real. Yeah. So yeah. So all right. That's great. So, Keith, you wrote a book. Um, you've written a number of books, actually. Uh that number yeah. being more than one. Um, but I wanted to get you on here to talk to you about the first book that you wrote, uh, which came out oh, long about four years ago now okay yeah um and uh trump it, was uh, in office yeah 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 um and yeah. it was it was called uh punching nazis and other good ideas and other good ideas right that and other good ideas part is very important to me good good so in addition to a good recipe for a treacle fug fudge at the end uh what were some of the other good ideas in this book um yeah, not being a piece of shit. <laughs> that that goes with punching Nazis, okay. uh, mostly. But so so punching Nazis and other good ideas was not the book that I would have chosen to wrote. To wrote, <laughs> I'm a professional worder. <laughs> uh, I got I got an email from someone saying, "Hey, Carrie Poppy, uh, another a big podcaster uh, from um, Oh No, Ross and Carrie." Carrie Poppy tells us that you have a proposal for a book called Punching Nazis. And I wrote back and said, I have no such thing. <laughs> I don't know what Carrie's talking about. But I'm getting attention from a big publisher, so let's talk. Here's here's something I did write. And I sent them uh, Not for Rehire. I sent because I have a book version of Not for Rehire, which is one of my comedy specials. Uh, and it's huge. You know, and I, I sent them that and they wrote back and they said, Well, we like your writing. We don't want to publish this. Will you write Punching Nazis? And I'm like, really? A whole book just about 
because I was debating with people on Facebook a lot at that time over the ethical, you know, uh, uh, connotations of punching Nazis and, and whether or not it was it was moral. And um, I, you know, feel it's not only uh, moral, but uh, a necessity. Um, but I didn't know that I could write a whole book about the subject, you know. And so then uh, I said, how about punching Nazis and other good ideas? And I will just talk about that strange period of time in the late 80s, early 90s, where I experienced the white supremacist movement encroaching on the punk scene. And that we had sharps in Sacramento who are uh, skinheads against racial prejudice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a shooting at Caro's. There was a, a pipe bomb put in a motorcycle. I mean, it was a pretty crazy time in this town. Um, and so then, you know, as people are talking about Nazis and the punching of a Nazi, like Carrie's whole thing was, have any of us ever actually even met a Nazi? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I've met a ton of them, you know? <laughs> My daughter's walking out of her room just singing away with her oh, device good. or whatever. <laughs> Hear her mom reminding her that I'm doing a podcast. Um, so so they agreed with that. And that's what it became. It became, you know, just kind of some essays on on why I thought that uh, this was a situation where violence was appropriate, that it could be called self-defense just because they chose to associate themselves with people that were responsible for, you know, centuries of violence <laughs> yeah, murdering millions of people you know. right yeah yeah um yeah you know i mean before nazis just even just white supremacists in general and you know i was like that the, the history of violence are at some point we stop using the excuse of being civil until they're too strong for us to do anything about it and we punch them in the face the minute they say they're a nazi yeah mm-hmm. a, a pounding of prevention to prevent yes a ton of your <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, having read your book, having given your book as a gift to teachers getting out of the um, credential program and becoming teachers, um, I I was especially taken with the the local aspect of of the book. Like it it really homed in on the Sacramento area and a little bit further than that, but largely it was a Sacramento based book um about white supremacy and if i recall it was in the 80s and 90s like in that crossover period yeah late late 80s early 90s yeah and there was which a is huge, when I was... yeah there's a huge uh, punk yeah. scene here but it was also being infiltrated by uh, nazis and white supremacists we're in a fascinating place because everybody thinks of california as so liberal and if you live here you know i, I have a joke that i do about the South not being in the South, but rather 15 minutes outside of any major metropolitan area. Uh, but that's so, so true in Sacramento. And we're, we're close to the Bay Area. Bay Area, also fascinating, which I talk about in the book, because you don't have to get very far out of the city before the Bay Area is very southly. Um, here we are with the state capital. Uh, we do We are a fairly liberal progressive city. And you don't have to go very far around us at all to find, uh, you know, um, Trumpers and and what's the uh, what do they call themselves? QAnon. Want to break off a part of California? State of Jefferson. State of Jefferson. Jefferson. I've got one around the corner for me, and he flies the flag out in front of his house. You know, (laughs) he replaced the Gatson flag with the uh, State of Jefferson flag. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's a that's a logical progression right there. That makes sense. Um, Um, so so, yeah, they're here, and 
they found something they loved in the punk scene. The punk scene was more male than any of us. was violent. It was angry. Um, you know, and since those of us that loved it loved being angry at, at what we were angry at. And they were like, well, we can vibe with the angry part of it. We're in, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, it was um, one of the people I interview in the book. And one of my favorite parts of the book was getting to interview and write about Dennis, the master bastard. Yeah. Who uh, was a DJ and mm-hmm. he's uh, mixed race, uh, Asian and, and honky. And he would antagonize them to no end when they would come to shows. And he would flick lit cigarettes and hit them in their heads. And <laughs> he would play Take the Skinheads Bowling by Kim Van Beethoven just to piss them off. And um, basically let them know they weren't welcome. And so, uh, yeah, it was fun times. Nice. I interviewed the, the, the big music, the big punk music promoter in our town at the time. I interviewed him. He's a good friend of mine. He had his face kicked in by Nazis. And uh, he didn't want to use his name. And I was like, dude, anyone reading this will know who I'm talking about. And he's mm-hmm. like, I just I don't need more trouble. And I said, okay, but I'm going to call you Farty McFuckbutt in the book then. He's like, that's fine. <laughs> I've, had my, I've had my face kicked in my Nazis. I can survive being Farty McFuckbutt. So, right. so yeah. very good interview with Farty McFuckbutt in the, uh, in the book. But he was legit still worried about reprisal? Yeah. How, yeah. how realistic, like, I don't I I guess this is I don't want to sound irresponsible here asking you to judge another man's fear. But how likely would a reprisal be here we are 30 years later or 40 years later? Yeah, if I thought that it was like he he doesn't even name names. If mm-hmm. if I thought it was likely, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have wanted to run the interview at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, uh having your face kicked in is a pretty traumatic thing. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, I'm going to let him decide what level of caution. And I was just, he didn't tell me not to include the interview at all. He just wanted his name taken out. And I think you were pretty respectful about it, calling him Farty McFarty. Nothing if not respectful. That's what I'm (laughs) known for. Um, But yeah, one of the, one of the main like white supremacist dudes around our scene was uh, killed in his bed. And they still don't know if it was a rival white another white supremacist gang or i mean there's it's, it's, some of these people are playing for keeps you know which is weird because like some of them were kids that were just looking for some drama mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then others of them yeah this was they were out for blood so let me ask you this um in professional wrestling there's a term called kayfabe and that is the pretended reality that they all play within, right? right? Otherwise, the police would have been called, right? You know, in terms of like, <laughs> you're punching a man sure. well after the bell has rung. You you have stopped agreeing to this combat and you're hitting him and, and stuff like that. Uh, so it's kayfabe. Or you ran a man over uh, on behalf of another man so that this man won't be able to enter into a, a cage to combat you with chains and shit. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> kayfabe. Um, you know, and it, it's it's the carny aspect of it. It's the, you know, always keeping up some scrim of non-reality in front of the, the audience. Edgar uh, Bergen never, ever referred to Charlie McCarthy as anything other than his partner. Never called him a dummy. Never called him a doll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Ventriloquist version of K-Fay. Yeah, K-Fay. yeah. 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 So how much of the, the young men who just wanted drama 
how much were they just kayfabing white supremacy? And then how much of those, uh, if they were in fact at all, and how much of those started believing their own kayfabe? Like living their gimmick to the point where they genuinely believed that they were white supremacist and became white supremacist. I don't know. I mean, I think that it it definitely can happen that way. You you find a family and you I've always been fascinated by people who can adjust their beliefs mm-hmm. uh, according to they, they'll get married and I watch their beliefs change and then they get divorced and they change their beliefs back again. Um <laughs> so I would I would get the most fascinating to me at all was a group of people that I went to uh Roseville and Oakmont High School with. Mm-hmm. who were sharps they were skinheads against racial prejudice mm-hmm. and became nazi skins literally 180 degrees shifted their belief systems but got to keep the same clothes they just had to go buy new a different color shoelace i mean that's kind of like being the jedi who studies vapad and then sliding over to the dark side by accident you know <laughs> so <laughs> Wow. I'm so glad you're here to put yeah, it Star Wars analogy. <laughs> put in clearer terms. Strange. Yes. Yeah. That's 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 the best Star Wars analogy I think you could have come up with. Yeah. yeah. Anybody could have come up with really. But yeah. Yeah. But um, that, that one just blew me away. And you know, they, next Kathy. So these are there's reminders going off around me. This is not a home studio. This is my home. <laughs> There's daughters singing along to their music. There's I don't. Could you hear the cat meowing at me a minute ago? No, could not hear mm, that. No, that one we missed. He was in here yelling at me that I was supposed to be giving him attention. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I have I have video because they were they were friends with the band that I was playing at being the manager of this band, mm-hmm. and so I interview a bunch of them. I was the kid that always had a camera on his shoulders. Okay, in, in a backyard when I first met them. Mm-hmm. And again, they're sharps, you know? Right. And so I said, uh, well, what do you guys think of the Nazi skinhead presence in the punk scene? And they had plenty to say. Like, those goons need to go away. This is not, you know, 1940s Germany. This is America. And this is, you know, <laughs> just like... uh, And then those same kids, uh, this group of like three of them, mm-hmm. all became Nazis. And it felt like the outfit and the the music was more important than the ideology and the the supposedly deeply held beliefs that went with it and i just couldn't understand how that happened so like i guess i guess my question there is because when when you say you know it's more about the music were they then like did they get sucked in by listening to nazi bands was that part of it or so are you guys familiar with the band minor threat yes that's uh correct me if i'm wrong that was the henry rollins washington dc based band no so rollins is best friends with ian mckay that's okay that was ian mckay from fugazi that was his first band that was his first band okay they have a song uh guilty of being white okay and ian mckay has said that he regrets writing it that it was taken by people and applied to a bigger scene than what he was talking about. He was literally just talking about being harassed for being a white guy at his almost all black school in DC and them being him 
for racism and, and racist crimes that happened before he was even born, et cetera, et cetera. And he, he was a very young man when he wrote it as well. <laughs> I think that was one of the one of the few songs that they had before they made that switch that they got to keep. They just changed their perspective on it. <laughs> um but yeah did they did they go from you know gorilla biscuits to uh screwdriver <laughs> you know did they they liked the guitarist better and screwdriver so they became nazis i don't know uh, you okay. know but they still they got to be part of the punk scene still and they mm-hmm. and listened to that aggressive hardcore music and so the punk scene accepted them no and oh. and that's what was so weird is there was there's always a clashing and there would be fights mm-hmm. um but rarely did did the punks unite enough they were scary sure. i mean i remember being at shows there were two shows where i remember everyone standing up to them and one show was dennis the guy i mentioned earlier and this sounds like a scene from an inspirational movie. I swear to God, it really happened. Dennis clean grabs the, place the up, microphone so, oh, gotcha. and he starts chanting, there's more of us than there are of you. And as we all start chanting it with him, we realize it's true. And these big, scary Nazis left. And we, we stared him down or else, you know, someone told them there was a mod party going on somewhere else and they love to go crash those. Uh, they also had a really weird relationship with the mod scene where they'd go make fun of their clothes and make fun of their scooters. And I was always like, then why are you here? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So that was one time. The other time was when L7 played. Okay. And all these L7 is an all female, awesome punk band. Right. And um, these, I'm stereotyping, but I'm pretty sure a good portion of them were lesbians. But all these big flannel-wearing women uh, see the skinheads start behaving badly and literally just picked them up and threw them out the freaking door. And I was just like, that this is, is so awesome. great. That is awesome. <laughs> so um, social distortion. I remember seeing Mike Ness just get right up in their faces. And, you know, I mean, he said the weirdest thing. He told one of them, uh, <laughs> you know, the scene in Happy Gilmore where the guy says, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. Right. <laughs> Mike Ness looks at one of the skinheads and goes, Ha, oh, you're cute. I used to fuck little boys like you in prison. And my thought was like, You used to fuck little boys. <laughs> right. Is that is that really is so, that the line we want to use? Like very strange insult, Mike. <laughs> yeah, let's let's you. workshop that a little, shall let's, we? Let's, yeah. let's maybe maybe talk about that one a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but he got into it again, uh, more recently, I mean, that was back in the late 80s that I saw him get right up in their faces and he wasn't afraid of them. And then more recently, he was here at Ace of Spades and a guy was wearing a Trump shirt in the audience and Mike Ness was giving him the finger and stuff on stage. Nice. So, yeah, Good for him. He's not afraid to call them out. He's well, not going to let them think that they're welcome. Mm. Okay. I think that's the whole thing is make it clear they're not welcome. And and in the punk scene, we didn't do enough of that. And that's why. So me and my little brother still to this day, you know, 30 years later, still argue about it. My little brother hated the Sharps. And I'll admit that I didn't like a lot of them at the time either. We both felt like they were people who claimed this ideology that we agreed with, but mm-hmm. really just wanted to fight. And they were more likely to show up and get into fights with people who weren't racist than they were to go find the racists. Um, mm. 
but I've gotten to know a lot of them since. And mm-hmm. we did, we saw the worst of them. Any group is going to attract some guys that are just going to be troublemakers. Sure. But um, there was also a group of them that would literally get in a couple of vehicles and go to wherever they heard Nazis were making trouble and clear them out. <laughs> wow. So. All right. And and all of that's happening in the Sacramento area. Like, this, again, late 80s. I mean, this was also happening in the Bay Area. The Bay Area got more complicated. Mm-hmm. There was a group calling themselves Peace Punks, uh, who I thought were a little too fond of mace for people that usually did their fighting indoors. Uh, <laughs> mace doesn't discriminate. It hits a group around it. Right. Uh, there were that tr- seems like a, like, like a little bit uh, short-sighted. Yes, it's gonna it's gonna work. So were we after getting hit by (laughs) things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, There were traditional skins in San Francisco, which we probably had trad skins in Sacramento, but I didn't know any. But um, I I I go at length in the book to write about skinheads. What's a trad skin? Just so we know, skinhead was a beautiful culture. Racists don't come up with anything on their own. No, they steal everything and then Mm. brand it for themselves. Even the swastika is stolen. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the skinhead culture, and, and people try to claim the original skinhead culture was anti-racist, and it wasn't necessarily, it just wasn't racist at heart. It was black and white. It was mm-hmm. white English kids and and black English kids that were had parents of who Jamaican were Jamaican descent, over West Indian descent, immigrants right? from, from Jamaica, yeah. 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 And they were into the Jamaican music and they listened to reggae and ska and northern soul and um and and it was closely related to mod culture and uh it was cool and if you look at two-tone uh and the whole um second wave ska movement like jerry dammers of the specials it was his mission statement to convert the kids that the the national front was going after the 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 skinheads that they were trying to like breed this like racist skinhead movement his whole point with Two-Tone was to win kids over to the anti-racist movement. He was very involved in rock against racism, um, calling that stuff out. The name Two-Tone is because it was black and white. Right. Um, so there have always been skinheads who were first not racist and then later specifically anti-racist. Yeah, I mean, originally they were they were working class people who espoused an overlapping set of values with uh, the hippie movement, but they weren't, they they rejected the bourgeois. I'm only here until I get to college aspect of the hippie movement. I never thought, I never realized how bourgeois hippie and punk were until I heard it from the skinheads perspective of saying you kids can afford your hairdos and and those clothes because you don't have to go work at the factory every day. Like we do. Right. (laughs) So we go for boots and we shave our heads and we, you know, um but i know there are only boots (laughs) right yeah because it's the only pair we've got yeah i know a lot of skinheads still who are awesome people and and sweet and just super into music and i interview in the book uh monty naismith who played in a band called simmer rip and they had a song an all-black band Mm -hmm. and they had a song called skinhead moonstomp you know and they had a song called skinhead girl and these are songs about their fans. And he said to this day, he plays festivals and stuff, and there's just miles of skinheads dancing to this black man's music. And the mm-hmm. skinheads are, you know, he said like maybe 5% black. The majority of them are white. Mm-hmm. And and they love him and they love his music and they have a great time, you know? So, and he, and, and 
the minute I talk about skinheads, skinheads get so defensive because they're they're so maligned. It, yeah, the racist ones are the ones we see. Right. Like, yeah. The leads. Yeah. They're, the, they're the ones we talk about, and they're you know. So I really wanted to make sure to include that chapter in there. And even yeah. a guy reviewing the book on Reddit said something about me, you know, writing about racist skinheads and the comments just immediately light up with F that, this, that. And I had to go in there and be like, no, no, I, I write about you guys too. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I did my homework. I studied. Yeah. Right. So actually there's a, there's a great free documentary on YouTube. Uh, and I think it might be called the story of skinhead, mm-hmm. but uh, it's really good. And what's his name? The, uh, the reggae DJ in the punk scene who is a member of Big Audio Dynamite. I always forget his name, but he narrates it. Oh, very cool. If you're, you know, this being a history thing and all, if you're into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don Letts. Don Letts. I couldn't believe I couldn't remember Don Letts's name. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was produced by the BBC, and it's called The Story of Skinhead. And okay. uh, I, I highly recommend it. If you want to get I'll do that after I put the kids to bed tonight. So, you know, but just one more thing that the racists were like, oh, we like that. Well, right. Well, they're always appropriating. They're, they're always scavengers, right? They're mm-hmm. always appropriating and repurposing things that are catchy. Like they've got a really good ear and a good eye for what's catchy. And I've, I've said this for a long time. Uh, and, you know, when I teach the lessons on fascism um, in my class is that those people are really good at branding and really good at getting a message to the vulgar masses because they have to be because mm-hmm. their ideology can't stand up to any kind of scrutiny so they have to short circuit that right and the best way to do that is find out what other people are already doing yeah memeing and mm-hmm. uh ev- all everything that they do is keyed toward getting uh some kind of a visceral emotional reaction Mm-hmm. one way or the other they want to either horrify you and drive you to get angry so they can you know point and laugh right or they want to then capitalize on you getting all angry in order to get somebody on the sidelines to go hey look look how look how stupid you know the liberal looks over there and or they're you know. equally both sides yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's that's the big one, like to to cloak themselves in the uh, the legitimacy that you have by virtue yeah. of having pissed you off going, see, and then yeah. they continue to take over a public square. Yeah, so. I uh, I loved the the weird rebranding thing they they did in Charlottesville, where people actually found emails and, and memos that went out that encouraged them to like go by Target and buy a nice polo and, and we need to present ourselves as more clean cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah went, we need we like, need to clean up. Yeah. We got low budget super cuts, hair haircuts and they all yeah. went on the same polo shirt. And yeah. It just it was so funny. I was just like, wow, you guys really you tried to, you know, make a, a fashion statement. Yeah. And they looked around and they're like, what would work? Best Buy. Best Buy yeah. would work. Best Buy. Best Buy would do the trick. But with white. Uh, khakis. So khakis. Yeah. Khakis. Polo shirts. Yeah. They look like the Geek Squad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or, or you know, State Farm phone reps. Like, yeah. Which, you know, if you think about it, one one of the big lessons from from the original Nazis is the banality of evil. 
you know <laughs> so like of course they wind up wearing these you know vanilla you know dorky you know kind of kind of outfits as as their as their new uniform my civil service went, workers yeah through that much work to like rebrand themselves and then chanted blood and soil and you will not replace us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the memo like, should have been like, because they're trying to present, present themselves as we're not racist. We're just mm-hmm. you know, trying to preserve our history and not. Yeah. Yeah. And except, except then they forgot. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it, they forgot. I think they were looking for you. We know this will be good B roll footage. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And you know, people will platform us um and we'll get yeah. our message out in multiple ways. I, I don't yeah. think it was ineffective in any way. Uh I recently no. read a, a a think piece, I forget by who, but basically saying like look at how people craft really stupid ass things that they say, knowing that you'll recraft it and make a reaction video. And what you're doing is you're taking the piss out of them. But while you're doing that, you're also making them seem less of a threat because everybody's making fun of them. But at the same time, you are getting their message out for them so that their message then becomes less of a threat to anybody else who will sit there and go, oh, he's got a cat. Um, anybody who who Orange then boy. is looking at oh up and down the ballot, that person can't be that bad. There's a there's a catchy song for them, you right. know. Somebody memed them. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, it's it's kind of you know, and and they they brought that up with Trump's uh, mugshot. Um, yeah, is like oh, the more you guys put that out there, the more people are going to think that like, you know, it's just as innocuous as a Che Guevara T-shirt, right. And it's it's deeply disturbing to think, and there are actual precedents for this in Italy, for instance. Um, there's yeah, the no. I'm a woman, I'm a Italian. I think it was I'm a woman, I'm an Italian, I'm a fascist. I, yeah, might have missed that last part, but that got mixed into a dance song, and then that was boom. that was exactly the line. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. now they've got fascists again, and and they'd yeah. always had like we didn't denazify them. We right. didn't defascize them because we were worried about communists there. Um, so, <laughs> um, but uh, <sighs> they they always had a group that like everybody on the right even looked at and said, get the fuck out of here. But now it's like, ooh, I could use that to get power. And again, mm-hmm. that's how they creep back in. So, yeah. Right, <sighs> so back to the music scene. Um, since you wrote the history of it, I'd like to, to kind of explore that a little bit more. What happened... Was there a cataclysmic event that shut it all down? Was there a gradual petering out? What happened from the late 80s through the mid-90s? Because I remember Green Day specifically refused to play Sacramento. Yeah, on one of their singles, is the mm-hmm. Green Day does not play Sacto. Yeah. Uh, and I, so there's a there's a great documentary about East Bay Punk called Turn It Around. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost three hours long, I think. But they they really looked at the Gilman Street as at the heart of it. Okay. And so they had this story. They he had edited it and everything. The story of Green Day coming to Sacramento and getting their asses kicked by Nazi skins. Oh wow! And it got cut from his movie because uh, otherwise it would have been more than three hours. Yeah. <laughs> he had too much, and so he generously gave it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me use it in the book. 
I sat and looked at all the raw footage with him and all the raw interviews he had done and everything. The only thing was that I couldn't actually quote the members of Green Day. Okay. I had to say, uh, a member of one of the bands said. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. wasn't able to get permission from them. They were they were on tour and the movie was wrapped up already. Um, so he wasn't able to get explicit permission. And and so I did him the favor of of not quoting them directly. But it was a member of Green Day who said that was the day we learned the difference between Nazis and cops. The cops have mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> and how much cooler would it have been if i could have mentioned the name of the person who said it right. yeah um, except now in certain parts of sacramento uh those nazis grew up and they have mustaches now right and they and are th- cops that's i'm not hating yeah well well i yeah the, the connection the connection i was trying to make without saying it was and they're part of the police department oh yeah so, yeah. yeah it's their police in their pupi form yeah <laughs> um you know damien <laughs> i don't know the answer to that i know that there was a big event the shooting at caro's i think was a big event okay. and i really think that what happened is it, it got bad enough that a lot of them started getting arrested and going to prison so let, let's unpack the, the Caro's thing. First off, for people that don't know, Caro's and Lions were both late night diners. Think Denny's, but with less sadness. And we um, all went there after shows. Right. And that's yeah. and that was true for theater nerds. That was true for music folk. That was true yeah. for BBS yeah. meetup people. So think about that's yeah. why it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because this every subculture in Sacramento mm-hmm. ended on Caro's and Lions. Right. And, you know, uh, Carol's had that smoking section. I think they all had smoking sections then. And we get such a wonderful mixing of all these Mm -hmm. different groups. The shooting at Carol's was nobody got shot. I don't think. I don't think any bullets connected with any bodies. Good. But there was a black family seated in one of the booths. And the assumption was that they were the target. I'm relatively sure they were not. Because they were a group of, I I don't remember if they were sharps or just, you know, lefty punks. Mm -hmm. They were a group of punks next to them. And I'm pretty sure they were the target. You know, and it was during a period where, honestly, the the Nazi skins fought with other white people more than they fought with black people. Mm Because they had a little war with the sharps and uh, with Mm -hmm. the general. And and maybe that was a favor that we did, the Black community, was we kept the Nazis busy (laughs) fighting with us. You Um, tanked. You tanked for them. Yeah. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Dungeons and Dragons, Keith, which I've uh, tried to help you with, um, if you play a barbarian or a paladin or sometimes a cleric, um, you stand in the middle of all the enemies, and they hit you so all your friends can hit them. Ah, and you have enough yeah, hit points that you can take it. Yeah, right, and yeah. you've got or, a or enough armor or you. both yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, they did a lot of them went to prison. I think some of the biggest organizers, uh, I think some of the others got scared because they started seeing people go to prison. Mm-hmm. We talked about some of them. I think it was uh, play, a, a drama play, and when maybe that level of things getting real made them tone it down a little. It was like the denim mm-hmm. off for them. And they're like, okay, climax has happened. Now it's right. Yeah. Okay. And so, but I do remember 
that things mellowed out. They got quiet. Okay. Maybe 10 years later, like four or five of them all got out of prison around the same time. Now, uh, give me a year for that, please, or your range. Uh, So probably late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Okay. And at that point, I'm playing in a band called the Ugly Sticks. (laughs) And I remember that this group of Nazis showed up. And I think they beat up Eric Bianchi, who's a beloved Sacramento sound man and played in some bands. Mm-hmm. Um, we were sitting in the now at this point, there's no longer traditional smoking sections. And Caro's went through all the trouble to f- box in their patio and put in a ventilation system. So they had Sacramento's last smoking section. OK. Oh, wow. So we're where, sitting in where the smoking- was this, by the by? Where was this Caro's located? Oh, this is the Caro's that's now an IHOP over on Alhambra and N or Capital. Okay. You and I sat and had divorce talks. Yeah. That's that does, the thing. Okay, so that could be a Jim Boys, a Starbucks, a Pete's. <laughs> a... <laughs> I remember the French fries were really good that night. Most of my memories are food related. And I remember okay. those really good fries. All right. So we're sitting in the smoking section, which is right on the sidewalk. And all of a sudden, I've got four Nazi skinheads, like right here, right next to me, looking through glass at me. And I look at them and I'm dressed in my little like 60s rave up clothes because that's as a band, that's what we wore. Sure. And and I look at them and they're blowing kisses and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, how do I get out of this without getting my ass kicked by Nazis? And then something distracted them and they ran off. And then the next night I get all these stories of all the fights that they'd been in and they, you know, like I said, they I'm pretty sure beat up Eric Bianchi over at Old Ironsides, and we had just played Old Ironsides earlier that night. We barely missed them several times. Wow. And they all got violating parole or probation or whatever and went back to prison. So wow. prison as in state or federal, do you know? No idea. Okay. So I'm just but wondering prison. who started putting the pressure on them. Was it a local? Was it a because so yeah. Oh no! Finish finish your statement. I no, just... I, I I need to okay. look up the name to be perfectly honest. Here's okay. okay. Give me they the weren't getting them for RICO laws and like really going after them for being a racist organization. They were getting them for petty crimes and violence. That's yeah, how you that's, do it. You know? That's <laughs> that's that's kind of kind of what I what I wanted to remark on is it's like okay, so these guys just got out of the joint. They've been in for a decade. They get out, and the first thing they do is they go out and violate, like blatantly violate their parole repeatedly. Like they're not very smart people. But uh, recidivism, I mean, that's, that's yeah, well, we we don't have a rehabilitation prison system. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, that's 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 certainly true. But I I I was I was leading into making a statement about fascists, kind of in general, that just like. I, oh, you know, I, I think smart, I think there's a smart fascist is the most dangerous thing in the world. Thank it's God just true. Stupid. I say it about Trump all the time. <laughs> you know, we were talking about his his the, the strategy with his mugshot and things like that. He stumbles into things like that. I'm really confused. Oh, yeah. there's, there's a great documentary called Fast, Cheap and Out of Control. And one guy in the movie that studies robot science says that the big thing to crack was was walking. And so they were really trying to perfectly calculate the mathematical, you know, walking. And then he watched bugs walk and realized they're just falling and catching themselves. And that was his big breakthrough. And his robot started to walk because he stopped trying to be so precise and let them just kind of bounce a little and be able to catch themselves. Mm -hmm. 
that to me, it's the best analogy in the world for how these boneheads, including our bonehead in chief, work is that they yeah. and and it served Trump for so long. It's amazing to finally see it blowing up in his face to see him actually not catching himself. Boy, your lips to God's ears. I tell you what, I, I <laughs> hope I, I really hope. Um, But yeah, I, I think um th- that whole falling backwards into into brilliance is is a theme we revisit all the time here yeah in, yeah in yeah. different in different contexts and yeah. and yeah i think yeah i i definitely think that applies with with a lot of a lot of the the kind of people that you're talking about here well and what have i often said about the word genius we need to treat it like the noun that it is again you mm-hmm. can have a genius for something that does not make you a genius And if you think of people as having a genius for certain things, Trump has a genius for the type of communication that is very effective in that way. Um, He is a stone cold moron who is functionally illiterate, but he has a genius for getting earworms into the ears of the people who are the most aggrieved. A very stable genius. Yeah, quite so. Right. But like, you know, you have a genius for something and, and it helps also because, we tend to lionize people who are really good in one field and suddenly we're disappointed that they're dog shit in another. And it's like, no, no, like, yeah, he was terrible to the women in his family, but he had a genius for theoretical mathematics, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, you don't have to transfer expertise when you talk about a genius as being a noun. And I I think, I think that really applies, especially to, to Trump, but yeah. to monsters throughout history Mm. um so what i was thinking was that when these guys went away um and you said it was the early 90s right so what was the year of the caros incident oh that's a good question i don't remember Uh, okay that was i'm gonna guess that it was like 91 92 okay because joe cerna became mayor of sacramento in 93 okay and if you start to see these cases going joe cerner was very connected um in the uh assembly and and amongst state and federal offices um not to say that ann rudin whom he'd replaced wasn't but um you know uh joe cerna uh was was very connected and uh i mean the guy had a genius for uh governmental policy um and I just wonder if if that's not somewhat tied to his capabilities and efforts at the time. But um, okay, so there's the yeah. there's that incident, and then things kind of petered away. These guys came out, had one more flash in the pan, and all but disappeared after that. Or yeah, it felt like one weekend. It was literally like, oh my god, Nazis are back for like yeah. a weekend. Wow. Ah, uh, as far as being in Midtown. Okay. I, I also just want to say here that I, I tried to look up Caro's shooting Sacramento. Me too. There's so many. Yeah. I'm no. never visiting a Caro's again. Like, I'm just not. I'm not. The, the statistics. Are there any more? I, I don't think there are. But if there were, I'm not going back. That's like looking at Waffle House fight, fight, including Kid Rock. Like you're still gonna have way too many, you know. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so, this is wild. It's just shooting after shooting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's what happens when you're open until, you know, three in the morning. There, I remember like, living in Sacramento in the early 2000s, and there was a few Safeways that were open 24-7. They still are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one down on Watt, like um, that one Watt in the Arden. Art and Arcade area? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. stopped being open all night long because specifically... And th- that would have been like the mid 2000s. Um, they yeah. stopped being open all night long specifically because they were tired of getting robbed so often. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, there, there has my, been a contraction. Yeah. My, my very first uh, apartment where I lived on my own mm-hmm. uh, was in 99, 2000. And that, that, uh, that Safeway was one of the grocery stores I frequented on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I'd be in there at 1130 at night and you'd see shit, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, um, and, and as far as Caro's goes, uh, this would have been in 96, I was still in college and, um, a couple of friends and I were out late hanging out and we were in Roseville we went into a Caro's in Roseville and uh, when the waitress uh, set coffee down in front of us, she had, she had a very small, but noticeable uh, swastika tattoo uh, on her hand between her thumb and forefinger. Wow. And uh, all of us being who we were, we, we made remarks to each other's about, to each other about Roseville Nazis. I fucking hate Roseville Nazis, man. <laughs> uh, I know a Blues Brother homage when I hear it. <laughs> that's right. And yeah, I'm too and, young to remember that. So, and fuck you. <laughs> like, come on, man. Uh, um, but uh, I remember I I grew up in Southern California, and and I then got regaled by uh, my best friend who has been on the show with us, Sean. Uh, with with his own his own memories of going to high school in um, the Citrus Heights area, mm-hmm. uh, and and him hanging out with Sharps and and you know dealing with you know r- r- trying to find ways to avoid getting caught in the middle of fights between them and actual like Nazis. Yeah, and at, and it was yeah a school up there. Um, since my teaching career has started. Mm-hmm. There, there was like, there was still a gang, um, called the Peckerwoods, up yeah. in that area. Yeah. So, which yeah. makes a lot of sense considering. I remember we had a training on uh, be careful of gangs. This would have been about two thousand six, two thousand seven, right? Okay. Um, yeah. had a training on on be careful of gangs and here's what to look for and stuff like that. Now, where I teach, the the gangs will be largely from poor neighborhoods. Um, mm-hmm. They will largely be from uh, the the Sacramento Midtown to outer reaches of that kind of neighborhoods. Okay. And they brought up Sharps as being one of the most violent gangs. And I was like, wait, a we're, we're highlighting that first. Well, yeah. well, we highlighted Hispanic and black gangs first, but then we highlighted well, yeah, Sharps. I, and I'm like, really? Uh, kind of interesting. And then they mentioned the Peckerwoods uh, out in um, places where there's petting zoos. Uh, so <laughs> it's, um, it was just kind of an yeah. interesting thing. So yeah. Keith, Keith, let me ask you, um, when this was going down, um, when they came back, okay. So, so first I guess 
What did it feel like when they all seemed to have gone away? Did you like suddenly realize your shoulders were up by your ears and finally relax or what? And then uh, also, how did it feel when they came back and then again left? Like, what were those? Because you were living in that world right. in, in the Midtown scene. If you can remember, well, I was going to say if you can remember, but I don't know how similar our uh, adolescences were. Um, but I didn't. Near. I, I was I living have, in Walnut Creek for most of my adolescence. And I didn't have a lot of time to think about the shift when they left because I discovered uh, road tripping and a Volkswagen bus. And, okay. uh, I'm so you were gone for that. Moving on really fast. No, I was still going to punk shows and stuff, but I was just oh, like, oh, cool. The Nazis seem to be gone. Hey, look, I got a bus. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I miss I miss being an age where where my worldview could be that simple. <laughs> yeah, it was you know, and it was one of those things that then, like four or five years later, you look back and go, "Hey, remember when there used to be Nazis everywhere? Oh yeah, what happened to those guys? Well, these three went to prison, and then this guy moved, and um, and you know, when this guy got shot in the head in his bed, um, <laughs> you know, what's Ooh. nice they do often kill each other. Yeah, so. yeah. That does seem it's just to be who they hurt there. until then is the problem. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's good when you can get them to. And, when, and that was the thing, even with the the sharps that I had a problem with. I was like, mm-hmm. as long as you can point them at some Nazis. Sure. I, I say in the book, if there are people who just like to fight. Mm-hmm. You know? and I, if those people do like my brother John and become professional fighters, good on them. Yeah. If they do like the sharps and <laughs> go fight Nazis good on them you know That's yeah. at least use it productively um but i think the fear was what happens when they didn't have any nazis around um so yeah I, I can't like i mean it felt good it felt like you could go to shows without being worried that you were going to get in a fight that was nice mm. um so and and i remember it, it being less intense and less scary that weekend that all of a sudden they were back um there was a oh no how long is this gonna last is this the beginning of a new thing oh it turned out to be a fluke it turned out to be a very short-lived thing but you didn't know that at the time you know i I thought we've done with this i thought we did this and you know if maybe there was a period where i had stepped away from the music scene a little bit at that point i had joined a band i think when the music scene moved into bars Mm-hmm. I stepped away from it a little bit. I'm not, I've, I've never been a bar drinker, even during the period when I drank, I, sure. you know, I prefer to go hang out on the beach with a bottle of wine. Um, so I was never in a bar culture, but then I started playing in a band. I started getting back into the music scheme scene and the Nazis show up again. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> now? Is it yeah, me? it just seems so bizarre. Okay. Yeah. Is it me? Did I bring this out? <laughs> okay. Um, oh, shucks. I just, I had a thought, uh, a question about uh, one of the things you'd mentioned, but it, it done left me. When, when I, when I get on something like this and, and, and I, I don't mind us preaching to the choir and, sure. uh, but, but I do want to make sure that anyone who is asking themselves if they'd be interested in this book or not, it's mostly a collection of stories. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interviews. And even in the interviews, people tell their stories, um, you know, I mean, one of my favorite stories in there is the the Burgundy Tops were this like scooter club in town. And I think they're still around. 
And these are guys who had put some time into their hair. They had cool clothes. They wore suits with parkas over them. They had these badass Vespas that they put all their time and energy and money into. Um, and the one is people assume that someone like that can't fight. And it's kind of like when people try to go gay bashing and they assume that gay people or, or feminine men can't fight. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. you don't walk around like this and not learn how and, to. And not, and not, yeah. You know? So uh, the Burgundy Tops were all hanging out uh, over by Tower Theater and Tower Cafe. Okay. The Nazis heard they were there and came to jump them. And the Nazis got their asses handed to them. The Burgundy Tops beat the shit out of a bunch of skinheads, threw one of them through a plate glass window. (laughs) I managed to find people that had witnessed it firsthand because we all talked about it. I wasn't there when it happened. The next day, oh my God, the Burgundy Tops beat up the Nazis last night. And they weren't sharps. There was some overlap, but the Burgundy Tops weren't necessarily a go hunt the nazis and beat them up organization they were let's ride our scooters and dress cool and listen to music Mm -hmm. um so for them to be targeted and then just defend themselves so beautifully you know it's a great story and i enjoyed being able to tell it and to kind of capture that unique period in time where we did have all these different subcultures all operating within the sacramento punk scene wow yeah, I just so, I, having gone to those places, it's wild to think about what has happened there. You know, you were saying it. Well, um, I I wanted to, I wanted to kind of clarify. So, so the Burgundy Tops, based on your description, I'm assuming they were a mod group. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know so, if they called themselves that. They were scooter boys. Okay. All right. But they, I didn't I mean, know they, that was they a mod. Thing. They look like mods to me. Okay. But so so punk the 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 punk scene then uh was this umbrella under which you had these other kind of sub subcultures just yeah. to kind of kind of you know clarify that for anybody who's you know the product of uh suburbia like me uh <laughs> who, in the, who was, in who the was remarkably sheltered uh as as a youngin um let me okay. let me speak to there were so many different subgroups and okay. subcultures I'll, that did operate under this big umbrella i'll Very speak cool. to the uh, the suburban aspect of it okay if you think of it as a swim team there are your <laughs> relay swimmers, your medley swimmers, your one lap swimmers. You've got your concession people. Yeah, uh, you've got yeah. people who only butterfly. Nice. You've got people yeah. who are breaststrokers, and then you know you've 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 got uh, you know well, we you all know, aspire when ones. we're you know when we're teenagers we all aspire to be breaststrokers. Let's not lie. Like you do. You know the hard. Um, you know. Do you know the Hard Times newspaper? Yeah. Yeah. Heard of it? Yeah. yeah. It's like the Onion. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. I feel like they really capture ska, even some metal. The whole, you know, uh, I mean, the kids in in our punk scene all listen to Slayer. Also, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> things that people thought were more disparate, Separate, groups right? All kind of functioned around each other. Okay. And like I said, skinheads were always at mod parties, and, and even later when I was in the band mods liked us because we played like kind of 60s garage type stuff and so we would get invited to mod parties and there would be these skinheads there and i was like you guys hate this how are you a part of it it never and 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 the answer was that the mods had the the best dressed and prettiest female members yeah (laughs) yeah. well there you go yeah 
yeah. and they were like all there to uh, harass and make those women uncomfortable, um, which I think is what they call flirting. <laughs> but, but if, if you look at like if, if you flip through the hard times you, you see they do a really good job of hitting all those subcultures mm-hmm. so and and always from this place of knowing i love when they make I, as a huge ska fan i love when they make fun of ska because you can tell that they love it you can mm-hmm. tell they know all about it you know yeah, right from the inside <laughs> ed did you have another question or no no that was that okay. was basically it i just wanted to you know okay. clarify for you know people who came from my background and by the way the the swim team metaphor is a really good one even though i was never part of a swim team i felt i i felt both seen and attacked simultaneously so well good job i never was either because i didn't i lived like where the help lived Uh, (laughs) so yeah but i visited all my friends in in their enormous places in the rud gear area of walnut creek yeah um so all right, so uh, these people they flash up, they they leave finally for good. Um, no, no, not for good. Oh, I think it's them and their children who show uh, up more recently as Proud Boys. Yeah, I, I think there's a direct line. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And geographically, um, I'm just thinking of like where where the biggest motions against drag queens reading stories to children are or children's museums or attacking pastors who say it's all right that you're gay kid <laughs> jesus is still right. pretty rad um, yeah or doing yeah. actions against teachers who uh, say that a a reasonable stance is to be against nazis um yeah so those those areas uh seem to be uh the areas kind of to the outskirts of sacramento the places mm. that uh that perhaps where police forces tend to live (laughs) in the late 80s maybe mid to late 80s i'm trying to look it up um there was a huge they said it was going to be one of the biggest in the nation ku klux klan rally in auburn california and again people outside of california it just so surprises them they you know, yeah. they're like California, and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. Auburn, California. Yeah, <laughs> if you're listening from Auburn, beautiful place. I love visiting, but yeah, you got a lot of horrible people there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, you know, just down the street, where I'm, I'm teaching in one of those, uh, let's call it ex-urban parts of Sacramento, and you know, it's, I mean, those those people haven't really gone away uh because uh just a couple of blocks away from my school um on a major through fair um one of the homeowners on that through fair has taken the time uh to to hand paint these these you know six foot by eight foot uh pieces of plywood with QAnon conspiracy theory shit um that's that's been up like since i since i started at my current site and and this is my third year um and and it's and it's expanded it's grown like moss on this fence like it was first it was just one then it was the second one and i and i found out uh, uh at the end of last year 
Um, I happened to look in my rear view mirror at one point and they've actually put more stuff up on the other side of their property facing the other direction on, on that through fare. And it's like, you know, I mean, not everybody is going to be that far divorced from reality, but when yeah. you have that being put out there that openly, it says something about where the Overton window is in that community. I was trying to remember the name of the Overton window earlier today. We were talking about extremists and why even yeah. on our own side, like the firebrands are important. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We need them. We need them to keep tugging the other direction. Right. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Keep anchoring. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um and yeah, it's 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 you know, when 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 you know that you have that going on in the neighborhood. Um, that means that everything from that point to wherever, you know, the, the purported middle is, is, is going to be, is going to be present, you know, um, and, right. and, and, you know, it's worth noting, you know, for anybody who's, who's listening to this outside of, of California, um, the January 6th uprising um, one of the things that, that came out of doing studies of the people that, that were there is the majority of them weren't from red states. Right. They were from the red parts of predominantly blue states. There were a lot of Californians there. Yep, there were. You know, the highest number of people that were from out of the area were from California. Yeah. Well, that's because the highest number of people, period, are from yeah. California. Very I mean, California, look at that York, map yeah. with all that red and all that blue, and it's like if you adjust it for population, yeah. Suddenly, yeah. Yeah. Blue is where the people live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah. Even in the red parts of the blue. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that there aren't a good number of them here, but yeah, the yeah. California is very purple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. All right, so that it it they didn't end. They they're still proud boys. Um, how did the punk scene in Sacramento evolve, or did it disappear? Um, is it no longer a relevancy because of all the other stuff? Or I, I think I would do the punk scene a disservice. Okay, to, to talk about the the white supremacist movement within it, and not also say that. There was this like queer friendly movement in the punk scene way before that went mainstream. Okay. Um, it was uh, a, a lot of like anti-racist, like a multicultural space. And, and was it that as good as it could have been? Did they do as good of a job of making women safe and welcome as they could have? No. Um but there was an attempt, there was an awareness. I think there was more of an effort than in other scenes. There were people fighting for that, you know. Sure. Uh, We're fond of quoting our friend uh, Gabriel Cruz uh, by saying, uh, progress is a series of problematic steps forward. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but, but yeah, go on. And then there was a band called By Curious George, uh, yeah. Scott Soriano, <laughs> projects, uh, I think. Pam Smith, which sounds like a made-up name, but I'm pretty sure that was her name, was in by Curious George, and she really pushed for a, a feminist, queer-friendly punk space. I remember butting heads with her because she was so against slam dancing, but she was like, it's slam dancing that makes the whole front of the punk show just dudes. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, okay. As much as I love it, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. All seven comes to town and then <laughs> right. knocked out of bit by a bunch of women, which was yeah. dope. Um, you know, uh, and then and then a little later, a little past my time, the, the younger scene, you start seeing the the riot girls and and uh this this feminist punk thing blowing up, you know. Um so I think that that part of the scene has mm-hmm. grown. The metal scene is super progressive <laughs> and inclusive, which I did not see happening. Um no. so I I feel like progressives are winning the the battle for that subculture. Okay. So but but I don't know that as much firsthand. Sure. Because as a 51-year-old man with a kid at home, I'm not out at the punk clubs three or four nights a week like I used to be. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, we've covered the punching Nazis portion of your book. What about the and other good ideas? What else? What else is in there for for the dozen of our listeners? Um, But actually i don't know if you know but according to one metric we were 95th in austria last week and i think it's because of ed mentioning one of their uh most famous cities fucking so often um that (laughs) do they really have a city called fucking they have a city called fucking that Uh, they've changed their names uh because they've changed their name of the city because uh of all of american tourists being so shitty but the mayor himself (laughs) has said no we are fucking here we will always be fucking here. Well, I've fucking been to North Fuck, Nebraska. What's that? I've been to Norfolk, Nebraska. Nice. Which nice. is spelled like Norfolk. Uh-huh. But they but say Norfolk. In the town's history, they will tell you that that's because the postmaster misspelled it. And Nebraskans are too nice. They didn't want to hurt his feelings. So they were like, we can spell it that way. It's fine. <laughs> they, they pronounce it Norfolk. There you go. What's up, Norfuckers? Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but have, uh, but yeah, what are some stuff. other good ideas? <laughs> I, I just have some stuff in there about like um, I, I profile a lot of the interesting characters that I intersected with during that period of time. I really uh, liked the 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 gentleman who was down in it was somewhere in Southern California where they have low riders. Okay, and there was a barbecue where yeah so so james fascinating jamie is a kid that i grew up with mm-hmm. uh, i mean from very young i remember jamie as as early as second and third grade and he looked like ricky schroeder he was a the girls loved him he was this cute little blonde kid and then we go down there me and my friend dan who's now a doctor who's this like kind of subculture but like very geeky like jewish kid with like curly mm-hmm. hair and thick glasses and we show up to hang out with my old friend Jamie and the guy that shows up has a shaved head and suicidal tendencies tattooed on his belly and he's huge buff and he's a gangster he's a member of a gang called the suicidals um until he ends up in prison and in prison he gets white supremacist gang tattoos Mm. and then after he gets out of prison he's at a barbecue grilling and my little brother's there and my, my, just to confuse the story, my little brother is James. The guy's Jamie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
James looks up, Jamie, how you been, man? I haven't seen you in a while. And Jamie's like, oh, good to see you, bro. And then James looks around. It's a very diverse party. A lot of Mexican people, a lot of Black people, especially Corona is a heavily Mexican town. Mm-hmm. We all grew up together. And James goes, hey, um, what's with all the Nazi shit? And Jamie goes, prison. <laughs> That's called surviving. <laughs> and James goes, okay, but why don't you cover it up when you're at a barbecue? And Jamie laughs and goes, these guys all get it. And just then, like a Mexican dude is over there getting, you know, a burger from Jamie. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, we know Jamie. (laughs) 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 And it's just this like understanding that in prison, there are associations that will keep you alive. Right. I actually think it can get you in trouble to not respect those associations afterwards. But I guess that (laughs) you can get in trouble in both directions. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And wow. you also, there was also mention of, and and I, I want to bring this up because you and I went to this together. There okay. was the, the oh. sci-fi convention in my town. Um, and uh, would you mind sharing that story for free on this podcast? Yeah, a guy is just walking around with a swastika clearly visible through his tank top. And he chose to wear a tank, wear a tank top. He chose to let that be visible. And he's taken pictures with Captain America, which I found particularly ironic. Uh, <laughs> and okay. all the other characters, you know, getting his selfies. And the, the woman that organized this con is Jewish. Um, I had one of the worst sets of my life performing. With... Oh, I killed there. Was... I know you did, yeah. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> was, were you, was, were you in the Mandalorian you, get up? It was like no. we... Oh, visited man. bizarro world where <laughs> i bombed and being killed <laughs> like what is this backwards upside down place you've taken me to damien oh it's god it the awesome. implication of course being that normally damien bombs and i kill yeah yeah, yeah I, I caught yeah, i, I caught that i want to make that. it crystal clear okay got it understood damien's um, very funny and he had a really good set and all i did was bomb and make my daughter cry <laughs> well, you made fun of a guy that looked like he was dressed for logan's run okay <laughs> and that was and i think you lost the crowd <laughs> uh, at that point yeah that's that's I'm just a bully. um uh, i don't think i should have gotten geek points for knowing that he was dressed like someone from logan's run come on yeah, i agree i agree i i wouldn't i wouldn't disagree with that statement either but, i should have vouched you know. for you more probably shed some of my great cred but i like okay to be clear when it Mm -hmm. comes to punching nazis um i don't think you should do it if you're going to get your ass kicked i'm not saying that you owe it to them to engage them in a fair fight there's no honor in being a nazi and if you want to sneak up behind him and punch him and run i'm all for it okay um uh and and i think that about fighting in general i'm like if two guys agree to fight in a consensual situation, then great. There's rules or whatever. But if someone is pushing you into a fight you don't want, you don't owe them anything. There's no kicking in the balls. There's no honor or whatever. Bullshit. If you're making me fight, I'll, I'll bite your nose off. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'm looking at this guy and thinking I should do something. And I look at security and security, you know, African-American security guard is looking at him doesn't know what he can do mm-hmm. um and i've got my daughter with me and i'm right. like am i doing right by my daughter by not going and getting into a physical altercation with her where i might go to jail and who's going to take her mm-hmm. um, 
or am I doing wrong by her by not showing her that you you can't stand here and let people walk around with swastikas on their chest? Uh, mm-hmm. Ultimately, I decided to, you know, let someone know and leave. Uh, and I still feel crappy about the decision. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah, that and that it does it it opens up this whole sort of conundrum of like what is the right thing to do in these scenarios uh there were a bunch of good people having a good time there at their Mm -hmm. event Mm -hmm. and he shouldn't have been there but also what do you do to all to this event and these other people (laughs) how do you handle it yeah well and and i mean jean paul sartre would point out the the politeness of what they're doing aids and abets his nazi-ness mm. right and that there are way too yeah. many polite people when a nazi is around who are otherwise kind of rude pricks when other people are around yeah um yeah there is a layer of that but at the same time like you said you've got your daughter there it's not like honey go with mom sit in the car i'm gonna put on my isotoners and let's go you know <laughs> Um, and there's no DJ who is saying there's more of us than there are of you, right? There right. And, there. Mm-hmm. You and I'll, just... I'll be very clear: yeah. engaging in this this guy in a fair fight, I would yeah. have lost. I knew that looking at him. I was right. like, "He's the guy who's fought more recently than I have, and right. is bigger than me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I could sucker punch him for sure. Sure. <laughs> and just hope that other people are of the same mind about the Naziness, or that yeah. I could render him unconscious right yeah so a well-placed yeah. punch should be all it takes despite yeah. seen in the movies <laughs> yeah yeah so okay um so i think i mean we've covered most of the book uh what was did you get any uh splashback on the book what have the reviews been uh have you gotten any negative commentary have you gotten largely positive largely positive um yeah very little negative uh which was disappointing i really <laughs> i i wanted it, it's carried in in several public libraries and so i would always try to be very loud and vocal about that i tried mm-hmm. to get the attention of the right um i wanted them to get mad that public libraries were carrying a book that advocated violence so blatantly <laughs> did you did you wish a motherfucker would I wished a motherfucker, motherfucker would, would. But yeah, unfortunately okay. a motherfucker didn't. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Now, now that this podcast has, has aired. Yeah. Um, if one yeah. of your dozens could yeah. um, start a fake campaign against my book and hopefully fool some right-wing people into playing their part. Sure. There you go. Sure. There you go. Uh, well, you know, Honestly, there is no such thing as bad publicity. So, which is so not true. <laughs> I think that that, that idea has died. <laughs> yeah, know. of of um, late, that has been proven wrong. Yes. Yeah. Ask I, Joe I Jonas. I I did think that I don't know about Joe Jonas. What what happened to poor Joe Jonas? Uh, just well, followed by a whale. I think. Nice, oh. nice, nice. Well yeah. played. No, Jonas he he got. He got he he and his wife, whose name I forget, right? Ex-wife, soon to be. Uh, they are they are getting a divorce, and he he and his PR people worked really hard uh, in the media to try to portray her as a bad mom 
and and use a lot of misogynistic kind of stuff against her okay. and it and it has come back around and bitten him very hard in the ass ah. um and i i could also another example i could point out would be ashton kutcher um who who made <laughs> really poor well i mean you know there's there's there is there is speaking up to you know help out your friend and then there's choosing to help out your friend who's you know literally convicted fucking rapist so post conviction that was yeah and yeah. I, was, I don't think it was ashton's letters but one of the other people that knew him from uh his his acting career commented on him always i think it was from that 70s show always yeah. taking up his clothes yeah helping him grief for throwing his clothes on the couch and being like no nah, yeah. that's disrespectful i thought in contrast to rape wow like yeah, yeah. like like really? he always yeah. his clothes yeah well hiding your honor yeah jeffrey yeah, Dahmer was a homeowner and i mean in this economy you know it's yeah, like that kind you know, of yeah like what the fuck yeah so yeah no it is it is certainly true that there is such a thing as bad publicity but you know in this so, context, we want to we want to you know do everything we can to help you out. So uh, yeah, as, send send some bad publicity my way. Yeah. I did think that I would get threatened or perhaps even beaten up by locals. I I, really? I mean, you asked if I thought that um, Farty McFuckbot was uh, mm -hmm. right in being afraid, and I didn't think that he was based on what he said, but mm -hmm. I I thought that I might be targeted. And during the period when the first when the book first came out, I definitely kept my eyes open. Um, and the Proud Boys were going out of their way to make their presence known in Midtown around that time. Um, but they, I never, they've they've I'm largely sure. just been targeting teachers for the last yeah. few years. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we stole the uh, thunder for you there. That's um, weird. <laughs> what's that? Oh. Weird that me and the Proud Boys are coming at me. <laughs> yeah. So. I like you, teachers. <laughs> I, the uh, new material that, that I'm now. working on is all about school. Uh, okay. Okay. And, and being ADHD uh, mm. in my public school career. And uh, there definitely are some stories of some pretty awful teachers. But one of them, the teacher that I hated the most, that I carried this hatred around in my heart for, for 40 years, so almost, uh, I befriended her on Facebook and she is bible thumping weird right-wing conspiracy theory and it actually let me let go of some of that hate because i realized this woman is teaching gifted and talented education that's what they called it at that time and she's a fucking moron <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> this poor woman had to deal with us and we yeah so much smarter than her not to be a complete snob uh which i am but we were obviously dealing with someone who was way out of her depth and sure. yeah. sounds like it that might be why they gave her that class maybe I what wrote, harm yeah. can you do yeah i said uh, do you remember me and she yeah. wrote of course i remember all my students and i was like oh bullshit and yeah. she wrote remember that time you blew up a battery in class and i was like oh you <laughs> really do remember yeah yeah so yeah wild so at uh so how to put this um with this book 
Um, it obviously opened you up to being able to publish more things. Like you did this one and then you got to do the other one you wanted. Um, has it helped you in any other realms? Uh, well, it, it does it make you money, first of all? But yes. also, it does. Yes, yes it does. Well, it's wonderful. so nice to have merchandise because I used to sell CDs and DVDs at shows. Sure. And I don't anymore. Because no one has a DVD player or a CD player anymore. Right. Mm, yeah. Those sales were drying up, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and now they're gone. And mm -hmm. selling books, books sell like hotcakes. And it's, I wish I could say that Greg Proop's advice is why I published a book. It isn't. Mm -hmm. uh, I just got lucky. But uh, coincidentally, just a few months before I got the book deal, I was lucky enough to feature for Greg Proops at a weekend of shows at the Punchline. And his advice to me afterwards, he was like, Keith, you're one of the few comedians I've worked with who's got the, the gift of words. It's funny that I was trying to think of the right words. To describe that. On stage, you have it. <laughs> yeah. No, sitting and on the fly, I don't. But sitting and right. being able to think of the words and use a thesaurus, I can come up with something. Anyway, he told me I should write a book. He was like, CDs and DVDs are dead. Uh, stop hauling them around in your backpack and write a fucking book. And so um, I was stoked to then write him and be like, hey, I got a book deal. And he's like, ah, oh, good deal, kid. And so then when I got the second book, he agreed to write the uh, introduction to it. So oh, very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, cool at this point normally i would ask ed what he's gleaned or tell him what i've gleaned because normally mm. we teach each other something ah um, I, I had no idea there was gleaning going on oh always mm -hmm. always. always yeah, yeah. constantly um coffees oh. for gleaners yeah it's 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 yeah. just how this know, is like a lemon party of learning yeah well it's our pledge in the beginning and then yeah yeah mm. um so uh ed what have you gleaned um I think I think I've I've just had my all already uh, formed kind of uh, my theories about the 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 level of actual like tactical thinking or strategic thinking uh, on the part of most fascists. Uh, I've, I've had I've had my prevailing theory proven uh, by the we just got out of jail. We're gonna go cause trouble and get ourselves put right back in jail again. Story, basically, just just confirms my bias, which I I feel like I I, I feel very justified in that now. Um, so I don't I don't know if that makes me a bad liberal somehow, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Um, and of course, you know, I I knew. Uh, I knew that Keith was was you know a, a funny and engaging guy, and that's just been proven uh, true uh, as well as insightful. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm taking away from this. Cool. Um, How about you? I, I I remember after he published his book, I went to Berlin uh, and got in an argument with a history teacher from Manassas. <laughs> Um, as well as I think a few from one from Portland, one from other places with varying degrees of, uh, being on the spectrum, uh, politically. Um, and all of them disagreed with me that punching Nazis was in fact a moral good. Um, some, I think, because in the same way, one of them, 
uh, probably because of the same reason that some people would say not all men. Right. Yeah, okay. At it, you know. He said um, not all Nazis. He didn't. Uh, but you know, it was it was very much no. That makes you just as bad as they are. And I'm like, oh, they no. committed genocide. I'm saying break noses. Like I <laughs> literally had I'm mine people broken. who are proposing to recommit yeah. genocide. Right. Yeah, you know, like, I've had mine you know. broken. I've I I much prefer that to the possibility of my whole family being wiped out. Yeah. Um, and then there were other people who were like, well, you know, I mean, they they just hate because they're afraid. I'm like, make them more afraid. Like let's let's do this um let's let's solidly make that a thing and it was after yeah. we had gone to the the muse the museum uh the um what was it called the topography of terror um which is the old ss building turned into a museum oh, wow. showing you how the nazis grew and i'm like it was in english like they had it in german and english force how were you <laughs> not getting this like they right... were street brown shirts brown right. shirts may as well have been skinheads yeah, yeah. Like, they they marched women up and down in front of the public square with like placards saying I'm a race traitor. I'm like, if you look, that's about 140 characters. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and and there was somebody who was in that in there in there. She was a nice white lady from Ohio, and she even said, "She's like, are you comparing our president to Nazis?" And I said, <laughs> "Yeah." And she's like, "How uh, could you do that?" And I'm like, "They have visual aids." <laughs> Um, like, they made it really right, easy for me. It's right there. I'm are are you are you not a social studies teacher? She's not because, a biology yeah, teacher. Yeah, well, see, so, yeah, but but this is kind of my jam. This right. is what I do. Yeah, like parallels. But, when we need to discuss mitosis, I'm coming to you. But in, trust me, <laughs> here, to me on this one. Yeah, we're in my realm. Like, yeah. I don't know why you're here. Yeah. Are you just going for beer gardens? What like what's going on? <laughs> But uh, but then I did comedy there and I started yeah. my my uh, my my set with it's so nice to be in a country that knows what to do with Nazis. Could, do you have any tips that you could give us? Um, How'd that go over? It went great. Oh, my God. Uh, the the German, the, the Colombian dominatrix who was running the uh, the open <laughs> mic. Um, she That's a wonderful sentence. Oh, it was. It was well, it was, it was a so showcase, but um, you know that changes it all. Uh, but uh, she she loved my set. One of the teachers who came with me loved the set. She's like, we we walked all the way back to the hotel, and she's like, you were amazing, and you know it, that was great. And I got to plug your book to several teachers who were in the listen. So I'm hoping that your book your book has made it across uh, the country because I made some friends. I clearly didn't make all the friends uh but i made some friends <laughs> well my my next book was going to be called adhd af mm -hmm. but i'm nice just based on this conversation i'm changing the name of it to punching teachers and other good activities uh, i'm ambivalent I, like you're gonna get like nazis buying your book that's what's gonna happen because <laughs> they're coming out your force audience. against us there you go, they yeah. really are yeah so I've never I never actually punched a teacher, but I have had a teacher hit me. I'm so sorry. Oh, on behalf best. of our entire profession. You know what's I'm funny? Of of so every sorry. of every teacher that I have a problem with, uh, he's the one I have the most sympathy for. Where I was in shop and I really was awful, and he shoved me. He didn't he didn't hit me, he shoved me. And as he did it, I looked at him 
And he looked at me and we both knew like, okay, I have all the power now. Right. And he says to me, (laughs) what do you want? And I said, give me an A and let me transfer out of your class. And he goes, an A? And I said, a C? And he's all, a D. It's still passing. <laughs> I was like, I'll take it. Yeah, sure. I mean, if he punched you, you could argue for a B. You could argue for an A. Yeah. And, and he got me into uh, into home ec. And I was the oh, there you go. Okay. boy in home ec. And oh, nice. all the other dudes were like, that's gay. And I was like, hanging out with a bunch of women eating cake. is <laughs> gay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm 110% gay. Oh, color me in a room full right. of women. Right. Yeah. That's great. And we got to make delicious food every day. Yeah. I, I skipped the part where I made an apron that my mom still has with lace and flowers. Nice. But, you know, I made nice. well, you know. my outfit while I was making cake. There you go. That works. Yeah, I was cool. not I was not meant for metal shop. And what's funny is just a few years earlier, my brother Eric had been his star student. He actually built a sidecar for his bicycle in wow. metal shop. A oh, working wow. sidecar for his bicycle. That's pretty cool. The guy was excited to get another one of the Jensen boys and uh that didn't go well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, uh in lieu of us telling everybody what we're reading, Keith, would you mm. like to plug your book? so that people know where they can find it, the full title. Feel free to read the ISBN really slowly. (laughs) What's nice about Punching Nazis and other good ideas is that it was actually put out by Skyhorse Books, and they are a big publisher, so it's very easy to find. You can go to any bookstore and ask for it. If they don't have it, they'll get it for you, Uh, which was nice. It's nice that it's very readily and easily available. But if you want to buy it directly from me, that's the best place to buy it. Come see me at a show. I always have it with me. I never perform without it. And then I'll sell you a copy at a discount and sign it. Very nice. If you and... want me to mail you a signed copy, I will not. Okay. Good I don't know okay. what's wrong with me, but I just can't put things in the mail. I And it wasn't until I got into my 40s that I accepted this about myself after failing many times to mail people (laughs) things that they had asked for. Gotcha. But come see me live. I'll I'll hook you up with a book. Is there a place that they can find where your performances are going to be live? Uh, KeithLoreJensen.com. Okay. And I think, yeah, or just Google my name. All right. Cool. And I should, I'm, I am still not fully back from from the pandemic um you know i i'm not performing like i did pre-pandemic still mm, nor uh, i but, but i'm heading there i'm okay i'm getting that itch you know i had uh five shows last weekend mm-hmm. and like oh i remember how much i love this <laughs> so me and johnny are talking about sweeping through kentucky and some other places that have those beautiful little blue marble cities yeah absolutely nice Nice. Find, find your people kind of thing so. mm-hmm. well cool uh thank you very much for being on our show um for a geek history of time thank you and uh i'm damien harmony and i'm ed blaylock and until next time keep punching nazis amen <laughs>